Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Dioro. Thank you, Eris. We're joined today by Lindsay Anion Breyer. Lindsay has a truly innate talent for beautifully curating rooms and environments. Her well-appointed San Francisco store and the high-profile home she's designed exemplify this uh, terrific gift and passion. Lindsay is a child of an antique shop owner and a real estate developer. Lindsay also grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and is enamored with art and design. Founded in 26... Anion Interior Design has proudly completed design projects throughout the United States, several of which have been published in nationally recognized design publications. For more information, you can visit AnionDesign.com. That's AnionDesign.com. Hello, Lindsay. I'm really honored and happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. I'm so happy to be here. Lindsay, we like to start our show off with uh, you. Sometimes it was funny, but I want to change it a little bit. And uh, what either mantra or quote do you find uh, helpful, useful, or uh, really meaningful for you in your life as a personally and, and as a professional, if you're uh, willing to share that? Sure. I consider myself more of a spiritual person than a religious person, but this is actually a quote from St. Teresa, may today there be peace within, may you trust God that you're exactly where you are meant to be. Excellent. Thank you very much. And how did that become meaningful to you? I mean, if you don't mind sharing, whether it's certain moments or just kind of guide you through, uh, through our days post kind of pandemic. Yeah. Well, as I've, you know, you and I have chatted before and, um, My husband was in a really bad ski accident four years ago that sort of recalibrated our lives. And, you know, I just, I had to learn to take things day by day, his recovery and have, you know, an immense, tremendous amount of like faith in the future and Mm -hmm. also just be, be okay with the present where, you know, what today is a gift and we have to do the best with what, you know, 
with our challenges every day. So that's really good. kind of helped me and grounded me in life and business, I guess. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And that gift is um, a gift that you also have in working uh, with people in their homes. How is that, that uh, you share a bit, a lot of yourself with your, your clients? Do you find yourself having to find out who they are as people to understand what they're looking for in uh, projects of design as well? Absolutely. I mean, as much time as your clients can give you for you to get to know them is like so incredibly important. And I think it's actually becoming more challenging as our lives are so busy. And I tend to work with a lot of, you know, highly successful people that are in the sweet spot of like their career trajectory and busy family life. So it's not always easy, but I always see our role as helping articulate our clients' tastes and help them explore their passions in these environments. So to the extent that we can tap into that is hugely important to the process. You know what I I noticed on your site and in your work is there's not like a central theme. And if you get upset, let me know. But there's not really a central theme. It seems as if you're really taking what the homeowner's or your clients, the kind of their essence and putting it out into space. How do you, how are you able to process, you know, who they are and what they want in their style? I'm actually like very happy that you said that and can see that I, you know, on an Instagram feed that might not read as consistently and easy, but I just really pride myself that our portfolio is so varied because you know, every project should be different and unique. And it's the architecture dictates that, the site dictates that, the client dictates that. We'll do multiple homes for the same client and a totally different style and vision is articulated, right? So, so yes, like that is one of the great challenges of creating these like highly personal residential spaces is that they are unique to their occupants and they, they help their, you know, helping our clients live like their best life, which is, we're all so different. We all have different passions and want different things, hopefully. (laughs) Yes. I love that. How to live your best life. Is that something you go in when your clients reach out to you and say, Lindsay, we'd love for you to take a look at uh, our place. Do you go into to their space with that mindset of, you know, how can I help them live their best life? I don't know if there's a formula or, or if it's informal, but um, how do you even do that if you're at liberty to share with us? Well, there's so many different layers and factors to that, right? I think, and there's so many systems that we put in place in a home to help people keep stay organized, have a place for everything, have different spaces for different members of the family to do what they love or need to do. And again, I think COVID has, maybe we'll get into this later, but COVID has like really highlighted that for people. So where I think that's going to be an easier conversation, to be honest with you, going into new projects, because people are reflecting so much on their interior spaces right now and, and how they need them to function. And, you know, if you, if you live in a space that's beautiful and 
is serene, is maybe exciting and dynamic in some spaces. You, It's like feeling good about, it's like exercising and wearing great clothes. Like you just feel so much better. And I think you clear away a lot of clutter for people so that they really can focus on what's important to them. What inspires you so much to feel that for clients and yourself to, to be having them living in their best space as often as possible. I mean, tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how it influenced where you are now. Yeah. I mean, I think my interest in design is like na- is a perfect storm of nature and nurture because okay. I think it's, it's something that people are, some people are naturally drawn to. And it certainly was something I was born into my, I think I've told you my mom was um, literally threw me in the shop window as a baby. Um, and I looked like a little doll in this like 18th century crib piece she had or something. So she was out like hunting for the perfect antique. And my father was really working for a big developer, Pacific Union, who was doing, you know, Opera Plaza and Van Ness and the Meadowood Resort in the Napa Valley. So he was dragging me to these development projects that were kind of in the 80s, pushing new boundaries of what condominium buildings looked like and what resorts looked like and what golf courses looked like. So it was like all spinning around me. <laughs> and how old do you think if you can recall? Oh, I mean, as, as early as I can remember. And I just, I mean, I remember moving to a new home when I was three and that like made a huge impression on me. So I think I've just always been very aware of how environments make me feel. How about now? Do you go go into a space where you can envision how it can be, well, I'll say improved, but how it can be um, more uniquely the inhabitant's home? Yes. I think think designers have a hard time like turning that off in their brain because we're, (laughs) we're constantly thinking about it when we go anywhere and how, you know, how the lighting in a restaurant is or the acoustics or, you know, if, even if you're in a hospital and the, the lighting is terrible, you know, there's all these studies about how lighting can help people heal. So sure. it's, it's omnipresent, I guess, in my brain. Oh, I love that word. Omnipresent. It, touching on that lighting and acoustics, how important is it for, uh, in your work, the lighting and acoustics? I mean, I think it's all you know, part of the symphony that makes like the home really hum, right? So they're really important kind of building blocks to making sure that a home doesn't look just great photographed in a magazine, but like if you are at that person's home for dinner party, like you're comfortable and you're at ease and it's pleasant to be there. So you know, we work with a lot of experts to make sure that that, that happens. Right. But it's critical because you, because the experience is not just how something looks. Can you share with us an experience, if you can recall that uh, recently that you've gone in, a client asked you to take a look at their home. And when you looked at it, you went, Oh my, (laughs) I mean, that, Oh my, can be interpreted however you want. And at the end of it, they were saying, Oh my, and almost in tears just because of how happy they were. You don't have to say names, of course, but if you can recall a a particular project that might fit that description. Well, recently we worked on something at Pebble Beach that was the client really didn't want it to be like a a trophy 
home. Okay. And we were joking about how we weren't sure any, even though the house was like 20 years old, I'm not sure anyone had really lived there very much because there wasn't a washer and dryer installed <laughs> <laughs> or the hookups were. But they just, they wanted it to feel just really comfortable for, you know, the, their friends of all different walks of life to come in and be at ease and not be intimidated. So sometimes we, we dial things up, but we also dial things down. If that makes sense. Yes. And what was the result of it? Or is it still ongoing? It's ongoing, but they've spent some time. Okay. Yeah, no, it's ongoing. And I think there'll be a guest house, but it's, they wrote me a really nice note, having spent some time there during shelter in place of, of how comfortable it was. So that was, you know, highly rewarding. Yeah. How about some funny clients? Or not, I don't mean that they're funny and they're comedic, but in a sense that some, it was just humorous, you know, the process of working with them, certain things either worked or didn't work, and then they ultimately work out. Can you recall anything that was rather funny in any of the projects that you've worked on? We worked on a project where... You know, there's so many projects we work on that are major transitions in people's lives. They're getting married. They're getting divorced. In this case, they were getting married and blending a family and, you know, kids of different ages that needed different spaces that weren't necessarily all excited to be living under one roof. And we started calling this attic space the teen lounge. And then the teenagers were like, I will not hang out there if you call it the teen lounge. That is so painful a name. So we started calling it not the teen lounge on the even on the drawings. Um, I don't know. That was, that was that was a funny moment. How about even going in when you when you see uh, the clients and the, let's talk about the kids of the clients. If you, of course, not naming names, but do they always chime in what they think uh, ought to happen in certain spaces just for the sake of, uh, of participating? Yeah. I mean, I, having like redecorated my room every year as a child, I like appreciate when these, the parents let their children have some ownership over some, their spaces. And we try to be kind of like strategic about it where, you know, something that we think might not work for a long time is not, you know, not a, big budget item <laughs> or can be easily changed out. But we've definitely done in our office presentation for very small people. And that's pretty fun. Oh, I love that. Very small people. <laughs> this is the modern architect KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're going to talk a bit about the global wildlife organization. Their mission is uh, variety is not only the spice of life, it's critical to human survival. The diversity of life and all its connections make Earth different from all other planets. The air we breathe, the food we eat, rely on biodiversity. The uh, global wildlife conservation is, uh, mission is to conserve the diversity of life on Earth, where all of life has value and can flourish plant, animal, and human. You can find more information at globalwildlife.org. Again, that's globalwildlife.org. We're talking today with Lindsay Anion Breyer, Principal and Interior Designer of Anion Interior Design, a full-service design firm that provides interior architectural services, decorative solutions, and art consulting to residential and commercial clients. For more information, 
feel free to visit AnyonDesign.com. That's AnyonDesign.com. Lindsay, I like that you're also art consultant. How how do you do that, an art consultant? Well, so my background really is in art. I studied studio art and history of art at, at Dartmouth and thought I would go at one point into museum work. So working with artists, discovering art has just been a lifelong passion. And it's just another layer in a home that just really heightens the experience and personalizes the space and really gives dimension when I think sometimes homes without art fall a little flat unless the architecture itself is Mm. a work of art. So, and, you know, a lot of our clients have other art consultants and I like welcome, obviously, like collaborating with with experts in the field, but sometimes because I have that background and I do show art in my retail space, it's sort of a hybrid gallery that it naturally kind of, I love to help clients with it when it's appropriate. It's more personal than you think the process is so personal of interior design and building a home with someone. And then you get to the art and it's really personal <laughs> and complicated and people see different things and I challenge my clients, they challenge me and it's just really rewarding. And I just, I also just love supporting the artists and meeting artists and going to artists. My last trip before COVID was a day trip to Vancouver to meet an artist that's 78 years old and working every day. And I just am really passionate about. So, so yeah. (laughs) How did, how how about challenging your clients? That's interesting. You say challenge your clients. I'm sure you don't. Not um, really in their uh, in their grill, so to speak. But how do you challenge clients, you know, in art because it is so uh, you know personal. If you can give examples, fine. Yeah, I think it's just you know some people have developed a passion for collecting other things, such as cars or wine or pieces from their travel that are important to them. And certainly, clients come to us with with some people with more of an interest in art and other people with less of an interest in art. But it's when you can help them see how it's another way for them to express themselves and personalize their space. And, you know, sometimes you can change the experience people have walking through their house, challenge them. It's so incredible when you can try to bring when someone finds a piece that they love enough to bring into their house and it doesn't have to be an expensive piece. It has to be a piece that speaks to them. Right. So, sure. So, and I think that people appreciate learning a lot about, you know, they have to relate to it. So they have to know the artist's story and they have to know the artist's process and they have to know what it's a form of storytelling, like what is being told through this piece. So, the more time you have to kind of dive into that with them, I think the more it, it resonates. Uh, going to touching on that storytelling in a sense, are you storytelling through design? You ever think of it like that? I thought of that just because you had said, you know, storytelling and I thought, wow, you know what? I wonder if you actually, that's the space is actually telling a story, even though it's a, you know, your living environment. 
I think homes definitely tell a story of the people that live there. And a lot of times it's highly influenced on where they've traveled and Mm. rituals or experiences that they've had in other places that resonate with them. So absolutely. Yeah. It can be very subtle, right? But you know, like the open kitchen tells, can say a lot about people's interest in cooking and in sort of casual family meals and how they want to interact and entertain with people. There's a great quote that uh, I really like, and we're talking about mantras that we live by, and it's, his name is Marcel Proust, and he says, I may not capture exactly what he says, but I think I'll capture the essence, and he says, the voyage of discovery begins not in seeking new... Uh, oh, actually, here it is. Thanks, Eris. I have the exact quote. Mm-hmm. The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And that's from Marcel Proust. What's your thought of that, Lindsay? Because I, I feel like a lot of your work is um, you looking at a space and you're helping to bring those new eyes into it. That really resonates with me because it's like bringing a new life cycle into a space sometimes. Like sometimes it's not reinventing the wheel or being caught up in the latest design trend. Obviously that we, we want to steer away from that, but it's, you know, this house is inhabited by a new occupant. And so we're bringing, we're bringing new life to that chapter of the person's life and, and the building space as well. Yeah. I've thought of this before our show is a lot of um, what you do, at least my interpretation of, um, your work, your artistry, is that you're already seeing within your own mind's eye that open space and that true reflection that you keep bringing to everybody, all your clients and all the people that you know, through their own prism, that you're, you're, you open up your world to hear, to experience for them to pour into your world and then you're able to to put that in a screen of space. How much of that do you think is that, that's innate and then how much of it is learned? Sort of that, the discipline of like filtering it down a bit? Yes, because um, I don't know how to do that, honestly. So, and you do. And uh, I'm just curious to find out, is, is that innate in, in someone, you particular, or is it something can be learned or you've learned it as well? I've gotten better at it. I don't <laughs> I think it. I don't think it's an innate gift oh, necessarily. Okay. I think that for me personally, I have a calming presence for people, and the process of change and spending a lot of money can be highly stressful and scary. And so, if I can kind of, to the best of my abilities, like help it be a joyful and calm experience as opposed to a stressful one, then, you know, that's really rewarding for me. And I think that again, with our clients being so sophisticated and traveling so much, they, and all of us are just like completely overstimulated sometimes by design. There's your Pinterest feed and there's your Instagram feed and there's all the email digest you get every day of like this and that and that. And then you're traveling and you're seeing different hotels. So we have to like distill it down to, we have this square footage and we want it to be cohesive and, you know, 
what are the most important aspects and what will work together in this space to create a, a beautiful environment that that works for the clients, right? So, I've noticed in, on your uh, your site that you uh, you carry a carefully curated. I like the use of that word. What's that mean to you to be to carefully curate ex, uh, assortment of art furnishings and accessories? Can you share with your audience today what that means or why it means something to you to be carefully curated? Yeah, well, I think that is in reference to, so our retail store on Sacramento Street is not large. And I mean, again, just like my clients, I see all sorts of beautiful things that I love, but in a small space, it has to be presented in a way that's highly edited so that people can come in and discover objects, but the overall experience of walking into our store isn't overwhelming or feels discombobulated. So there are are things that I see that I love, but they aren't necessarily appropriate for the Anion Atelier. But like a home, the retail space can have chapters in its life and can have seasons in the year and can evolve and change. So there are like moments where you can explore different looks or different artists. Atelier means workshop in French, right? So I think of it as this like creative laboratory where we're, we're tinkering and we're experimenting and we're editing and trying out new things and trying to make it feel, maybe there's a feeling that's similar when you walk in, but, but it's, it's not stale and it stays fresh. And that feeling, I don't know if you, uh, I'm sure you have a process and uh, maybe even it's proprietary, but how do you capture that feeling and make it tangible for your clients? Because they might come in and say, you know, hey, this is how I want to feel. And you're like, oh my, how do you interpret that, their feeling into an actual physical material or materials? In terms of like a living space? Yes. Or just a process that you have to go through mentally because it, it Truth be told, it actually seems kind of exhausting for me to be mm-hmm. able to take someone's wor- idea of what they would like their space to be and then to properly interpret it to where, you know, in the outcome, they're going to be really happy with it. It just, it's just me. <laughs> it just seems overwhelming. So I'm kind of amazed that you're able to do it. And do you have a process for doing it? Well, I think starting with a floor plan and a space plan for the furnishings is a really kind of grounding place to start because we'll, we'll present several. And a lot of times clients are really drawn to one because they're, they can picture themselves. Like they want to have two sofas flanking each other because that's the way they love to throw cocktail parties or they want a chair looking out at this beautiful view and they want to have time there to read. So I think a floor plan is a really great first building block mm, okay. to layer because then people can sort of start to envision the places they're going to sit and the places that are going to hold their favorite books and the wall that's going to have the art that they have already found that the room may be designed around. And then the, the layers and the textures and the materials can be layered in on that foundation. Excellent. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford 
90.1 FM. First Exposures. First Exposures leverages the power of mentoring relationships and photography to empower young people to thrive, express themselves creatively, and become leaders in their communities. For more information, feel free to visit firstexposures.org. Again, that's firstexposures.org. We're talking today with Lindsay Anion Breyer, Principal and Interior Designer of Anion Interior Design, a full-service design firm that provides interior architectural services, decorative solutions, and art consulting to residential and commercial clients. For more information, feel free to visit AnionDesign.com. That's AnionDesign.com. Lindsay, if we uh, touch on uh, the first exposures group, what's your involvement and why do they mean so much to you? I've been part of sort of a spearing committee for their annual event for several several years. And it just, the program really resonates with me, first of all, because it's focused on uh, contemporary photography, which is a passion of mine, and also geared towards helping at-risk youth, which is, you know, an area of nonprofits that I just think is incredibly important because I see so much potential in young people. And so it's just really, I mean, their success rate is just phenomenal of having a professional photographer paired with an at-risk youth and they meet once a week. And again, in the storytelling, they are able to learn how to use a camera and tell their story of what they see in their neighborhoods and what struggles they have and what beauty they, and what pain they see in the world through this lens. And I think it's much more approachable than necessarily like sitting down with a school counselor and talking about all of it. And these kids just their, their lives are turned around by this program sometimes. And they also are aware at an early age of like, how many different creative fields there are and how many opportunities of different things that they didn't know that maybe they could go on to college and study. Excellent. Very good. You said uh, an interesting word, or at least I picked up on is there's a beauty. And so you're not only doing this for design, which is obviously material spaces, but it, it seems that you also value the beauty in people, or you'd like to see that they ha- have them understand that they have beauty within themselves and how to express it. Am I wrong or? Oh, no. yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. I think we all need to find beauty in each other and understanding in each other. And if we, if you know where someone has, been and what they've gone through, you're so much more tolerant, I think, for how they may react to a situation, right? So I just try to stay really open-minded about that. <laughs> That's for sure. The, the life experience is, uh, do you think that has a, a factor in uh, someone expressing that, the beauty with themselves, even though it's everyone's so unique that their life experiences, whether they're wonderful or traumatic, that also has a play into how they express themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, so much of the greatest 
artistic expression has come through pain, unfortunately. But it's, you know, what is the quote? It's like, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you handle it. So, and healing through creative expression, I think can be just a really powerful way to overcome hardships in your life and process them and help other people maybe go through something similar. Speaking of the, the, we'll segue into how you began your own, um, your own studio and your own firm is what were initially some of the challenges once you decided this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. The big initial challenge was the kind of crash of 08, I would say. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) Because I was just kind of ramping up at that time and people, it was a hard time for interior design but I had, I had a very, I was newly married and had a very supportive partner who helped me kind of go after my dream of, of starting my own studio. And I have a very supportive aunt and uncle that was one of, they were one of my first clients and that was a wonderful experience. And I still work with them now, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, a lot of relentless hard work. It's, it's really, it's having, having a, having your own firm is, is really a treadmill because you never really go on vacation. You never really can take a pause if you're working at a certain level where there's multiple projects happening all the time. So you're never going to wrap up a few projects at the same time. So you're, the wheels are constantly spinning. I think that's something that is, I still find really challenging (laughs) because I think from a creative standpoint, it would be amazing to check out for a few weeks, but it's just, it's not really realistic. (laughs) That leads me to a question I was going to ask, can you ever turn it off? And you just somewhat answered it, but how do you turn it off if you're able to, even if it's just for a few moments? Well, kids are so grounding that way. I have small children, so I do turn it off when I come home from work and I'm totally focused on them. And that it makes me appreciate my time with them and then excited to go into work the next day, which is obviously that's all a little blurred right now with COVID. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, I think I, as opposed to, you know, maybe a single designer that's constantly traveling the world. Like I'm as a mother, I'm forced to turn it off a lot. And that is, that is healthy for me for sure. And you know, they, they're so silly and happy and they make me laugh. And my two year old thinks, you know, shelter in place is like the, the greatest thing that's ever happened. Cause I'm home um, every day. So she has no idea what that, the, oh. all the suffering that COVID is causing everyone. So <laughs> how has business evolved for you since, you know, we call it post pandemic COVID. How has it evolved for you? If you're at Liberty to share with your audience? Well, I think it's just such an interesting time for design. I think for, of course it causes like initial panic, but 
I really think it's an incredible opportunity for the design world. You know, no more, and we're working on a big commercial tech project right now too. So I get to see kind of residential and commercial, but home has never been more important than it is now. And people that didn't value it are looking at literally their backgrounds of their Zoom calls Mm. and (laughs) their work from home spaces and everyone is looking at home. I know some retail furniture makers had like their best month ever in April. And then people are, you know, for a long time, we've been looking at how to make work spaces feel more comfortable, like professional workspaces. And now it's flipped on its head and it's like, how can we make these new workspaces work for us in our homes? And everybody I talk to says they're going to permanently work from home more than ever. And, you know, when I was at this design conference in London last November, everyone was talking about how no one was buying second homes and everyone wants to just travel and have experiential design in Mm. the hotel experience. And for a moment, that is just on pause, which is really interesting. And people are rethinking if they want, if they have the means to have, you know, some sort of rural or suburban or mountain or beach home again. So there's like this, there's this rush to, (laughs) there's this rush to buy second homes, which is kind of interesting. And then certainly I think there'll be all these repercussions of how we can think about, you know, sort of all the, all that we've learned about keeping ourselves clean, I think will will trickle down to how we use door hardware and, you know, touchless faucets and how we enter our home and kind of have a ritual of cleaning ourselves, I guess. So it just is, it's affecting everything in design. It's, it's really fascinating. The kids making decisions, I know you're very passionate about with kids and the youth is, do you share your work with your kids as well to say, look at, uh, look what I'm doing just so they have an exposure or do they take an interest on, on their own just to see what is, what is this mom? Yeah, they love it. I mean, I think they have moments where they're like, oh, mom's not home. Mom's working, but it's fun to have a career that's so tangible and I can show them job sites and I can show them drawings and they're building Legos of their spaces. I could, if I went downstairs to the playroom right now, I could show you their Lego creations. Please don't. I probably want to play. (laughs) (laughs) They love hearing, they love hearing about, you know, especially the fun stuff. If a a room, if a house has a trap door or a secret room or a, golf simulation room or a cool workout space or so yeah my boys love love hearing about it and I love talking to them about it are there a favorite is there a favorite or a couple of favorite projects that you've done of course not having to name names that uh, you could share with us as well well this tech headquarters we're working on right now with I was able to collaborate with Gensler and be sort of a consultant and that was just really exciting for our firm to kind of guide the color palette of this, you know, half a billion dollar building and, and procure the art and bring artisans into the space and make, help it reflect the the firm's core values. And, you know, my favorite projects are really 
they're not necessarily the biggest projects, but they're when a client has trusted has trusted us and enjoyed the process. And it's just, if you have a great team of a, an architect and a designer and a client that all enjoy the process and want to be collaborative, it's just, it's so rewarding. So I did a couple of projects with sadly one of my clients that passed away and he just always was came to meetings with a smile on his face and was so excited about our ideas and brought some of his own ideas to the table. And, you know, those are the portfolio pictures I look back on and I'm most proud of. It's terrific. This is the modern architect, KZSU 90.1 FM Stanford. We're talking today with Lindsay Anion Breyer, Principal and Interior Designer of Anion Interior Design, a full-service design firm that provides interior architectural services, decorative solutions, and art consulting to residential and commercial clients. For more information, you can visit AnionDesign.com. AnionDesign.com. Lindsay, you talked about trusting the process. Is there a point in your... uh, your relationship, maybe I would think maybe even early where you have to either ask them to trust the process or there's just, it's just kind of unsaid that, uh, they need to believe that what you're going to suggest, recommend, and, uh, provide them is going to be almost exact, if not exceed their own expectations. Yeah, I think there's a midpoint in a lot of things. I mean, I took my boys on this epic nine mile hike over Mount Tamalpais yesterday. Miles. The Dipsy Trail, which has a detour right now. And we ended at Simpson Beach. And, you know, there were, my seven-year-old was really not trusting me at about mile four when he's walking up (laughs) in the heat. (laughs) So I would say, you know, there's a a point in the construction where so much money has been spent and you can't, always clients can't always see what the final outcome is going to be. And it's a long marathon and that can be like a tough, a tough time in a project. And it's, if you stay with them and try to talk through their fears, it's just, you get to the point where you're, they're getting to see the the finished details in the home and how it's all working together and then layering in the installation of all the furnishings and, and they, you know, are just ecstatic, but it can be, it's just a very big undertaking of their time and of their money and of their trust at the beginning. So that can definitely be challenging. Lindsay, is there uh, anything that we may not have touched on during your show that you feel that uh, you would like to share, express, or, uh, or talk about? I don't know, Tom. I feel like we covered a lot. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really excited that you've reformatted things to include designer and architects, uh, favorite nonprofits. And that is really an area where, I think design needs to focus on giving back and not just working on 
spaces for the very wealthy, but, but how we can, you know, improve people's lives through the power of design to all different types of people. And I think we, as a design community, community, there's, there's so much leftover material. And if everyone gives a little bit of time, I, I just, I'm excited to work on some endeavors to, to give back in that way. So I appreciate you working that into the podcast. Lindsay, thank you very much. It's always an honor and a real pleasure having you as our guest. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Tom. It's great to see you. You too. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dior. Our guest today has been Lindsay Anion Breyer. Lindsay has a truly innate talent for beautifully creating rooms and environments. Her well-appointed San Francisco store and website as well as high-profile homes she's designed exemplify this gift and passion. As a child of an antique shop owner and real estate developer, Lindsay also grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, enamored with art and design. Founded in 2006, Anion Interior Design has proudly completed design projects throughout the United States, a number of which have been published and recognized in nationally designed publications. For more information, feel free to visit AnionDesign.com. Again, that is AnionDesign.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, designer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at KZSU Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location throughout California. Today, the recording engineer is Eris Chikopoulos, Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Akshay Jaggi. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect.